These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your home, houses and on your gates. This is the reading of God's word. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Uh, I'm so glad to be here again. Uh, I think our church and Calvary have been doing so many things together now. Uh, since coming here, uh, your senior pastor has been with us to be the guest speaker at our marriage college, which is something that we've set up to provide real training and equipping for the body of Christ so that they can build happy and secure marriages and help other people to do the same. So the first one we did, a senior pastor was there to be the guest speaker. And then the second one, we had uh, the Hammonds from here. They came to be with us. It was really a beautiful time with them as well. I will give thanks to God for growing the links between us. And I'm so glad to be here again today to speak to you during this time. I, I'm going to do uh, a short PowerPoint, and then I will go on from there. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Calvary Baptist Church. We thank you that the seed you planted here has become a giant tree that has produced fruit that has gone across this world. I thank you that you have created a huge and massive tree here. And it is your glory rests upon your people. I thank you that you want to do even more. And I ask your Holy Spirit to be upon us. I want to thank you for all the leaders that you have used, continue to use in this place. Thank you for the church, everyone present. Thank you for your for your purposes for this church, which goes even beyond what they can think of or imagine. Rest on us, Lord, as we look at your word again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's imagine that the colors of heaven are, is it yellow? Or, okay? And in the beginning when everything was created, when the earth was created at the end of all creation, God said, good, good, good. And so the earth also had the colors of heaven. That was how it started. Uh, then something happened. 
God created Adam and Eve, but then something happened. The Satan came and lied to them, and they ate of the fruit that they, God said they shouldn't. And so they, as a husband and wife, uh, they sinned, and they no longer had the colors of heaven or the colors that were on the earth, but now they've been changed, so let's say, to a different color. So that is a sin. But then they passed on their genes, including everything they've done to their generations. So they began to multiply themselves in the earth. So they multiplied themselves, and after a while, they, they are corrupted colors, their sinful colors began to fill the earth. Then that whole thing, after a while, filled the whole earth. So the earth now took on the colors of sin and corruption and didn't look anything like heaven again. But that was not God's plan. He thought he would send help to try and change the earth back to the heavenly colors again. So he began by sending the prophets. God began by sending the prophets. Yeah. But the prophets couldn't make a great impact because they were rather, their impact was overwhelmed by the sin and corruption that was ruling on the earth. They came all right, they spoke, but after a while they were subdued by the colors of the earth. Then God thought, I have a better plan. He decided to send his son, Jesus Christ. So the star of heaven arrived and the earth also tried to subdue him and cover him up. But they couldn't. He prevailed. He remained firm. And after a while, he was able to multiply himself in disciples, whom we now know as the church. Yes. So the stars slowly began to fill the earth and fill the earth and spread. And a time is coming when the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. We shall get this earth back. Jesus will have his earth back. God will have his earth back again. That's where I want to start from. And the thing is this. I want you to pay attention to the fact that when the enemy came to the garden, we often think about this as a garden, but he was actually operating in a home, the home of a man and a woman. Now, I want to try and help us this morning to identify some important things. Uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, the, he made man and the woman, and he decided to speak to them and the first context in which he spoke to the man and the woman was in a home. As a matter of fact, it wasn't in a church. 
that God spoke to the first man and a woman. It was in a home situation. And what I'm trying to do right now is to try to help us see the huge importance that God attaches to the home. Because I'm being asked to speak about God give us Christian homes. God spoke to the man and the woman in the home context. And we also know that uh, when Jesus was about to come into our world, uh, he, there were angels sent to give a promise about his coming to a young woman called Mary. And this woman, the message came to her in a home. And it was not in a church context either. So the promise came to Mary in a home. Then when it was time for the Son of God, the King of Kings, the King of Glory, to come into our world, he was born into a home. The King of Kings, the Son of Glory, God's final word was released into a home. And so the home, therefore, begins to look like the focus of activity for God. In fact, a prime focus of activity for God. The Son of God was born in a home and God was addressing the first couple in a home context. He was actually doing these things. And so the key things that have shaped our lives, the key things that have transformed this nation or the nations of the world began in a home. They didn't happen in a church. So the point I'm making is at the moment we are pretty much used to coming to church to hear God's word, coming to church to receive God's word. And I believe that happens. I've also got several churches, so I preach in churches. I believe churches are places where we receive God's word. But I also want to underline something at the beginning of my message, that the, the home is a crucial place for the activity of God in the purposes of God, and in the plans of God in our nations. We can look everywhere. There's so much, in fact, much of this, most of the stories in the Old Testament, whether it was with Abraham, whether it was with uh, Isaac, Jacob, and all the others, these things were happening. There were people were interacting with God at home. So what this, what this gets us to think about is this. The, the will of God, the purposes of God, can begin and often starts and are worked out in homes. So we can now begin to understand why when Satan wanted to change the earth, to a different color. When Satan wanted to change the earth, in fact, to take the earth away from the hands of the Lord, to make it look 
nothing like what God has created. He did not start from Parliament House, if there was any at the time. Neither did he go to business houses. He started from the home. And I, I want you to come along with me as I share these things with you. Because the home then acquires a place of very, very deep significance in the purposes of God. The home is the place where we will have to say where the battle is located. And if we get the home right, I believe we'll get the church right. If we get the church right, we'll get the nation right. But it begins from the home. So God was doing these amazing things, but it was happening at home. And so here is our Lord. He arrives on the scene when he sees all the damage that the enemy has done. The whole way in which the earth had been changed, the evil, the sin that had entered the earth, how it has been multiplied across the earth, starting from the home. I think that we need to sit up, really, and look at the home again. Today, in our world, the home still remains the place of the most severe attack. The most vicious attacks are still being leveled against the homes in our nation and the nations of this world today. The order that God set up in our homes are being attacked very ferociously. When God created Adam and Eve, he made them male and female. He created them. He, he, he made them to be an image of himself. He made them to be the people who reflected him. And so that home, the first home, was meant to be the place that looked very much like God. I just want to ask you a question. Imagine for a moment that God is behind this building. And we want to take a photo of God. And we have just invented a smartphone that can actually take a photo of God. And I've got it in my hands, and I went across the back and took a photo of God. If I brought it in, what would you see on the screen? What would you see on the screen? Sorry? How would he look like? He would look like God. We don't know how he looks like. We look, how would he look like? What would you see? I can't hear. Light. Reflection. Ourselves. We shall actually see ourselves. We shall see human beings. Because it says God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So image means a photograph. 
So if you took a photo of God, you will see human beings. In fact, that's what he did in the beginning and took a photo of himself and it was produced Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve were like a small picture of God. And they carried the nature of God. They carried the beauty of God. They carried the glory of God. And God actually wanted them to be those who increased and multiplied and filled the whole earth so that the whole earth will look more and more like God after it had been damaged. Now, we got to understand that when the enemy came along, he attacked the first couple, changed everything that was about them, and today, as I said, the war is still on. We have today uh, in our nations, uh, people are fighting and attacking the very order of God in the home. In some nations today, people have decided that a man shall no longer marry a woman, but a man shall marry another man. Or a woman shall marry another woman. What a distortion of this beautiful picture that God has given us. But it goes beyond that. Every aspect of what God has created in the home is under severe attack. But it's starting with the home. So God sees all this happening, looks at the earth, and his heart is to, is to get, his heart is to get his nations back. His heart is to get his people back. But he also knows where he has to start from. He knows he has to go back to the home and get his homes back. So as I reflected on this message today, preaching about God give us Christian homes. God turned this title round in my mind. And I want to bring you a message, which is this. God says, you give me back my homes. You give me back my homes. The nations of this world, give me back my homes. Church, give me back my homes. Ghana, give me back my homes. Because the homes in our nations are now being taken over by all kinds of things except what God himself intended. And his desire is this. Yes, you say, God give us Christian home. God said, you, you, and you give me Christian home, says the Lord. So, in the heart of God, he has sent his son. And he wants the homes back. He wants your home back. He wants the homes of your friends and your relatives and their homes, other homes back. So how is this going to happen? Well, I believe that God has a way of working. And I want to take you back a little bit to the Old Testament. When God called Moses and took him on a mountain, and he gave him a revelation of a tabernacle that he should build for him. We find that in Exodus 25. 
And after he has shown him what he should build, this is what he said to him in Exodus 25. Now he says, go and build a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell amongst you. Go and build a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell amongst you. Moses has seen a revelation. God had asked him to build it. But God made sure Moses understood that this sanctuary is not for him, but it is for God. And it is not only for God to admire at a distance, it is for God to come and live in amongst them. So Moses knew that. So God said, build it exactly as I have commanded you. Build it carefully. Build it exactly as I've commanded you. So Moses tried to start about his work. And we are told they did a great job, actually. And they made sure they took great pains to build every part of the tabernacle. The materials that God actually recommended were used. The sizes, dimensions were used. And at the end of the whole thing, when it was all set up, the glory of the Lord descended powerfully upon this tabernacle. And this is where I'm going. The truth is this. God is wanting to fill our homes with his glory. God is wanting our homes to become a revelation once again of himself. God is wanting our homes to become once again a picture of heaven on earth. God is wanting our homes again to have the same colors of heaven as we have on earth. And as a result, he has been revealing the pattern of Christian homes. He has been revealing the way Christian homes should be put together. He's been revealing that. And this is the key. When we build it like he wants, when we set it up like he wanted, we shall find that the Lord will fill these homes with his awesome, awesome glory. So what he's saying is this. Give me back these homes. And there's a battle going on. And so how do we build these things to reveal his glory? I, I, I believe that there are three things that I want to mention among many other things that we should begin to think of carefully if we are eager and willing to give our homes back to the Lord. The first one is faith. We must believe that our homes belong to God. We must believe that he is the one who set up our homes. We must believe that the Lord is the owner of our homes. And this faith is so important for anything we want to do with our marriages. I'm quite conversant with people who come and they sit before me for marriage counseling, a couple, and you know they're very, very upset with each other. And you ask, you just ask the question, so how did you find each other? How did you all start? Then they are very, very reluctant to share all the excitement and all the joys that characterize the relationship. The reason is this. 
What I'm looking for is I want faith to be rekindled in their hearts for each other. I want them to get to the place where, because in the beginning, when you're counseling them, before they got married, the man had prayed and seen the vision of the woman. She prayed again, and the vision came again, and the vision came three times, and then she went and proposed, and then the woman said yes. So he's completely sure that it is this person whom God has chosen for him to marry. But six years on, he doesn't want to remember the vision. So it's as how do you mean? So that woman, I just found that one. No, 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 no. And so there is a reluctance to believe God when the times are tough for the relationships. So I often ask, do you really say, do you, do, do you want this marriage back before we start our discussions? Some of them take a long time and a little quiet yes coming. They still don't want the relationship now. But faith is absolutely important for us opening our marriages to God. We must believe that God is the one who put it together. We must believe that God owns our marriages. We must believe that he's the one who initiated it, who started it, who got us going in the first place. And we must believe God that he's still with us and he's still for us and he's still the one who wants to take us further in the relationship. So we must, we must have faith in God for our marriages and we must have faith in God for one another. I found some people have faith to cast out demons but they don't have faith for their marriages anymore. They have faith to make the cripples walk but they don't have faith that they can put their hands around this woman who is next to them anymore. It is, it, there's something, faith has gone out of the window. But God says, to give me back your marriages, you must believe that I am the one who set it up. You must believe that I'm involved with you. You must believe that I want to do new things with you. You must believe that I have not spoken divorce over you, but I have spoken as long as both shall live over you. You must believe God. And God, God wants us to have faith that what he is trying to do with us is good and is wonderful and is excellent. We must believe that the woman that she gave to me is good. Everything God does is good. We must believe that the man he has given to me is good. Everything that God does is good. We can still declare good, good, good over what God has started with me. Hallelujah. We must, we must believe that this thing we are in is so much of God. It's not only church that we meet with God. God is at home with us. He's involved with us. He's in this with us. He's in this thing called marriage with us. He's the Lord who is doing these things with us. So we must believe God. And this is, this is the first thing that you open up your marriage to God. The next thing I want to mention is if we are eager to set it up, that will draw and fill the house with God's glory, we must have unity 
in our marriage. And, you know, when I say unity, I really mean a heart-to-heart commitment to each other and a commitment to this enterprise that God has given you called marriage. The man and the woman must so be joined at heart that they are heading to the only one destination. They're going in the same destination. They're going to the same place. When I talk about unity, I obviously am not talking about agreeing on the color of the curtains of the house because that one, I've never seen any husband and wife agree on anything on that. I'm not not talking about the color to paint the room because very few couples can agree together on that one. That's okay. Can disagree about those things. But where it matters, where it counts, we really must be of one mind and of one heart. The man must know that the woman is backing him behind him in full 110% support for what they're doing. And the woman needs to be assured that the husband is for her and backing her in a full 110% support in all that they're doing together. This unity is what Jesus was looking for when he said this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be united to his wife, be united to his wife, be united to his wife, be joined to his wife, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So God said that, revealed that. Jesus said it as well. So this is, this is what God is looking for to give our marriages to him, every husband and wife must make a deliberate decision to be united in all that you do at heart. And that unity of heart should affect how you operate together as one unit in the home. And we must say that this unity is challenged very severely by cultures and traditions that we have grown up in. In fact, I don't know that some of you have experienced this, but if you are walking, you go back to among your people and you are walking and you hold your wife's hand, the people might rebuke you and say, oh, are you the only person who is married? <laughs> or they will say, you, you are just still childish. You are still behaving in a childish way, holding your wife's hands. But actually, that is a beautiful expression of unity. But our culture often frowns upon that. That's one example where we have to think, are we going to go with the culture or are we going to go with what God is showing us from his word? We all know that in our nation, it is culturally acceptable to get married and still live in separate homes, to get married and still live in separate countries, to get married and still live in separate nations. 
That does not express unity. That expresses division. Your front is divided physically, let alone spiritually. But our cultures work against Christ revealing the unity that you want to see in our marriages. So we need to understand that what God is looking for is that we make every effort to pull ourselves out of the cultural strongholds and present a united front that God can bless. It's very common, and I've said this here many times before, that when the husband gets richer, he gets more distant from his wife. And these days, the women are getting more money than we the men. So when they also get richer, they get more distant from us, the husbands. And the whole point is this. There is a different understanding of how the whole money thing is meant to work out in the relationships. We still say, my money, instead of our money. And as a result, we hide our money from each other. We lie about our money from each other. And we tell lies about how much we've got from each other. And the result is that when you tell lies like that, what is happening there is that Satan has arrived again. And Satan is speaking again. And Satan is about to destroy this marriage again. He's the father of lies. In fact, when he came to Adam and Eve, that's exactly what he did. He said, he said did God really say? Did God really say? He undermined her. He said, oh, well, 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 we're not sure. No. Suddenly, she began to do the will of Satan instead of the will of God. When you, when you yield to lies from the enemy in the home, remember it was the home he attacked. Your home becomes vulnerable to Satan again. And he will attack and bite and destroy it with no thought at all. So, he's around like a hungry lion, seeking whom he might devour. And the lies that we tell about money open the doors for him to come in. So, church, we must refuse the lies of Satan and build with the truth. The truth is this, that you and your husband have become one flesh. This is what God said. A man's body does not belong to him alone, but it belongs to his wife. And a wife's body does not belong to her alone, but it belongs to her husband. God takes the wife and gives her completely, 100% to the husband. And takes the husband and gives him completely, 100% to the wife as well. So, they no longer belong to themselves, but they belong to one another. And they together, they belong to God. So, that is the truth that we must work out in our marriages. Anything short of this is lies 
and of the devil. So God is saying, can you give me back my homes? Can you give me back your relationship? It means you got to sit down and call your wife and say, huh, which areas have we been doing Satan's will in? And from today, we want to give that place also to God. The woman says, oh, these days you can't trust the men. Oh, if you tell them how much you have, they will just, they will just spoil the money for you. It doesn't know how to look after the money. So, so we keep everything. And the enemy also comes, which one are you going to do? There has to be a cold, calculated decision. That no more, I wouldn't give a foothold to the devil anymore. I wouldn't let lies come and dominate and rule my life anymore. Now I'm going to live with the truth. And the truth alone. And God wants us to understand that this is what he's really, really looking for. Give me back my homes. Give me back my homes, says the Lord. And the, and the, there is, other things can happen with the home. Satan can come and suggest to you that, you know, the other woman who is working in your office is a little bit more smashing than your wife. And people believe that. And they begin to act on that. And before you knew it, Adultery sets in. And adultery is the most difficult thing to deal with in a marriage. But if you've gone that far, you have yielded to Satan. And Satan has come in there, and the same way he destroyed Adam and Eve in the beginning, he would attempt to do the same to you as well. So we've got to be able to stand firm and resist the enemy who is seeking to destroy the beautiful things that God has wanted and is now beginning to restore for us. I heard, you know, adultery is an awful thing, but I've heard many people say in this country, it's not good for women to do it, but it is good for men to do it. Have you heard that before? When I heard it, I thought, what an awful thing. Adultery is adultery. It's sex blind. Whoever does it is adultery. And I also heard a, a, a man say, well, my wife knows, but she's not bothered. So long as I give her money to go to shop or something like that. What an awful thing. Christ gave himself the Lord of truth gave himself in order that we might live in the truth and open our doors for his glory to fill our marriages. Satan is still seeking to destroy, but we must not let him, and you must not let him either, enter into that equation. And I want you to understand that if Satan is trying to attack this church, it's going to, he might not even do it in church. He will attack the homes of this church. we we'll start from there. So, there has to be 
I mentioned about faith has to be unity. And our culture really, really operates against us. Sometimes we have a situation where our marriages are choosing to do the will of the traditions and cultures that we are part of rather than the will of God. I know in some cultures where people say that as a woman, your husband is your child. Have you heard that before? But in the scriptures, it says your husband is your head. So which one are you doing? Because if the husband is your child, you have to, you talk to him by heart. You certainly don't respect him very much. In your mind, he's your child. So you just, you are in charge and you run your life exactly like you want it. But if you, if you know that your husband is your head, you always live your life in reference to him and ask him what he wants, what he desires. And you live together in that way. Which one are you doing? You know, Jesus had the same problem when he came. When he came to the Jews, the Jews were steeped in their traditions, in their regulations, in their rules. And everything he wanted to teach, they were opposing him and resisting him. He wanted homes back. They wouldn't let him have the homes. He wanted people to come back. He wouldn't let them have the people. In the end, Jesus had to say to him, you have a clever way of setting aside the word of God for the traditions of men and women. Have a clever way of doing that. And God doesn't want us to do that. He really wants us to give him back our homes. That's what he's asking us to do. The Lord, our God, is here amongst us. The Lord, our God, is looking for your home. The Lord, our God, is searching for your home again. The Lord, our God, wants your home back. I mentioned about faith. I mentioned about unity. And I'm also going to mention about love. The third thing that I want to mention about opening our homes to the glory of God. This is what the Lord says. Husbands, love your wives. And when we hear that, it often sounds like he's saying we should wait until we have feelings of love towards our wives, and then we do something. But actually, he's not talking about feelings, although feelings are an important part of it. He's wanting us, as men, to understand that love is about wanting the best for the other person, our partner. Wanting the best for her. And making every effort to give her the best in all situations and at all times. Which leads us eventually to discovering that it's about laying down our lives for our wives. Just as Jesus Christ did. So the Lord Jesus gave himself for this very purpose. So when we're talking about building Christian homes, 
It's about us coming onto the drawing board afresh and presenting ourselves to God, as the scriptures say, as living sacrifices. Present ourselves to God. Present ourselves to one another and say, can we, can we start again? Can we restart this now? Can we take the ship and revelation that God has given us? Can we do it as God has shown us? Can we now start? Can we, can we review all that we have done? How much of it is culture? How much of it is tradition? How much of it is the spirit of the Lord? How much of the Lord are we living with in our relationship? God is wanting to have the whole thing back because he so loved you. He so loves the world. He so much loves you that he wants to do a brand new thing in your homes, a brand new work in your marriages. So God is looking. He's calling us to offer ourselves to him. Restart the whole thing. Say, we are for you. We are here for you. We want to offer our marriages to you. So that you take them and start doing something completely new. I'd like us to stand together, please. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to pray for us for a moment. Father God, I thank you that you want every marriage here back. Wow. Wow. The Lord is showing me somebody who's left, the husband. The Lord says, I want you back. I want you back there in this home that I set up for you. That's your home. That's your home. I want you back there, says the Lord your God. I shall help you. I shall work this out together with you. Offer the matter to me. Give me back this matter. Give me back your husband. Give me back your wife. Hallelujah. Release your glory upon us now, Lord. Release your awesome glory upon us now. Lord Jesus, fill every home here. I would like to encourage you now, if you are here with your wife, with your husband, to please hold hands. And, wow. The Lord says, present your marriages and your homes to me so speak to him now say to God we pledge again that you will be Lord of our homes
we pledge again that you will be Lord of our relationships. We pledge again that you will be king over our marriage. We pledge again. We pledge again. Let's, let's please say this to God right now. He's here powerfully. He will hear you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There is grace coming from the presence of God for every marriage here. There is a release of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a release of the blood of Christ that washes away every sin and every pain and every hurt. The blood of Christ is sufficient. It's working right now. Receive healing for wounds. Receive release from every pain. Receive from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord is upon you to bless you. The most difficult thing for you shall become easy as his presence touches you right now. He will overcome every situation right now. Lord, I thank you and I ask to send more and more and more of your power on every couple here. I pray for the children who are of these marriages. Those who are facing temptations to move away from the way they've been brought up. Holy Spirit, may you draw them back. God will say to the children, come back as well. Come back as well. Come back as well. I am the owner of your marriage, says the Lord. I hold the patent on every marriage here, says the Lord. And I am the one who is able to fix every marriage situation as well, says the Lord. Wow. Father, we so much want to thank you for your blessings that overflow, your blessings that are reaching every home right now. I thank you for putting every home on the spot, not to harm them, but to bless them, to give every home a brand new future, to bring every home a real faith for the future, to bring every home strength to start all over again so may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all now and evermore as you offer your homes to jesus amen